Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday here on this Friday, September the 3rd. Now, Sport Market runs on Radio NL, airing Saturdays from 2 to 6, Sundays from 5 to 9, where host Tom Manicht rates and debates the bulls and bears of sports business and takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sports business stories that matter most to fans. So, pleased to welcome to the program now, Tom Manicht. Tom, how are you doing here today? Not bad at all, Jeff. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Well, I always love having you on to chat a little bit about sports. It's always a nice way to enter the weekend, and particularly a long weekend as we head into the Labor Day one here uh, this this weekend. All right, I wanted to start with uh, junior hockey here um, and, and take a quick look here at the Western Hockey League. We'll, we'll expand beyond this in a moment, but uh, we know we got training camps opening up. Uh, as of today, I think there's 11 WHL teams that are beginning training camp. Uh, the Blazers are set to open next week. Now, we heard on Radio NL today, Health Minister Adrian Dix was a guest on our morning show saying the Blazers will have fans this year. He wouldn't commit to fans for exhibition games, which, of course, are happening over the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and referring back to the implementation of the vaccine passport that we have coming in. Uh, but just your thoughts on the importance of hearing from health officials like that who say, yes, we are going to see fans in the stands in the interior for Kelowna, for Kamloops. Obviously, this is critical in making sure the WHL will be able to actually make some revenue here in 2021-22. It really is important, Jeff. And there's, you know, there's two sides to the coin. There's there's what the WHL has already done in terms of instituting a pretty strong policy of vaccination for all uh, players, coaches, uh, support staff, uh, front office, the business ops crews. Uh, and, and that was a leadership move that uh, um, Commissioner Ron Robeson and the uh, WHL felt they needed to, needed to make. So with that in place, it really set the stage for the other side of the coin, which was the guidelines and, and what restrictions could be lifted or, or modified uh, to allow junior hockey teams to do what is really the bread and butter, bread and butter of a WHL team, and that is selling tickets. And I think it's so important that there is at least the, uh, the pathway, the, the horizon in front of uh, us. If I'm a governor of a WHL team, uh, I, I can live with no fans in the stands for the exhibition games. I can sort of use those as logistical tune-ups uh, for the rest of the season. But I really want to be able to get my fan base back in the building, uh, you know, moving forward. And I think it is really important that, um, that, you know, the general vision is that that's what's going to happen. The only question is, uh, you know, what are the numbers? And I do think that that's where the, uh, the, the vaccine passport uh, provides an opportunity for the WHL to work in conjunction with the provincial health authority and have each franchise work in conjunction with the local health authorities uh, to make the most of the opportunity. Certainly, if you institute uh, uh, double vaccination protocols uh, for uh, paying customers for your fans, uh, you're going to be able to have more fans in the stands. And that's why I think the first part of what the WHL did is, is so important. Uh, they don't just have their hands out saying, hey, uh, you know, give us fans in the stands. They're doing something about it to make it as safe an environment as is possible during the global pandemic. And I think the real key consideration will be uh, with the fourth wave that is hitting not just British Columbia, but most parts of Canada, uh, you know, making sure that nothing is done uh, that 
exacerbates the situation because it is my view that as vaccination percentages continue to rise, uh, that, you know, once the fourth wave is managed, we, we've got an opportunity to finally start to see the light at the other side of the tunnel. And I would think that what the WHL, including the Blazers, want to do in the 2021-2022 season is at least, you know, uh, get half crowds uh, capacity, if not three quarters, and, and, and then, you know, possibly have a goal that uh, at some point during the season, uh, fans uh, uh, are able to attend and, and, and fill the building. Uh, that would be a big accomplishment, and it would set up a normal business cycle for the Blazers and other WHL teams in 2022-2023. Uh, well, we're sitting here less than a month away from the puck dropping on the regular season, and I'm definitely hoping that I'll be in, in the stands for opening night here at uh, at the Sandman Centre in Kamloops, that going October the 9th. Uh, we still have a few more kinks, I think, to work out and how this is all going to go, but uh, nonetheless, just happy to hear that we do have a commitment from our uh, health officials here in BC that we will see fans in the stands in the interior for sure. All right, I wanted to shift gears here and get to the OHL here for just a quick moment because uh, Montreal Canadiens first-round draft pick Logan Mayu, of course, uh, we know the controversy surrounding him. I'll, I'll kind of go over the background here for anyone who doesn't know, but he has now been suspended indefinitely by the Ontario Hockey League for violating the league's expectation for appropriate conduct by a player. It's in relation to an incident in Sweden last November when he took a photo of himself and a young woman without consent uh, during a, quote, intimate moment, if you will, then sharing that photo with his teammates, uh, I guess trying to impress them. Uh, the act resulted in the 18-year-old being charged and fined under Swedish law. Now, the OHL saying Mayu can apply for reinstatement to the league starting in 2022. So beginning January 1st, he can make that application to be reinstated by the league. Uh, but... I mean, this is a pretty heavy-handed approach by the Ontario Hockey League, but one I think that uh, really sends a message for what the expectations are from the league. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that maybe, um, you know, has happened and and hasn't resulted in this kind of a a discipline. Uh, and, And, you know, leagues want to get better at doing that, but this is obviously a very high-profile scenario. It became a social media storyline, and that's why it's almost impossible to uh, to avoid, no matter how uncomfortable, uh, you know, the, the images and the stories itself. But, uh, you know, I, I do find it interesting that it took this long for the OHL to suspend the player indefinitely. Uh, you'd almost think that it would have happened, um, you know, uh, uh, months ago uh, when it when it first happened, or uh, that it, it it might have happened given the news coverage of Logan Mayu being drafted 31st by the Montreal Canadiens, um, which certainly uh, that became a big headline in mm-hmm. the NHL and not not in a good way in the city of Montreal and, and throughout the National Hockey League, uh, but. They had to make the statement, um, this is, you know, uh, conduct that has no place in hockey. Uh, it's like a lot of other things that are sort of being rooted out as we evolve, the hazing and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but I actually uh, think, you know, the, the, the losers in all this, again this week, are the Montreal Canadiens, because this story is a story that you know will have at least six months' worth of legs uh, with the reinstatement um, 
only being uh, possible in January. It'll be another big story there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, and if, if Mark Bergevin, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, thought that this is going to be a draft night story or day after story, and then it'll settle down and everybody would forget about it. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've obviously learned that that's not the case. And, and, and I, listen, I grew up in Montreal. The Montreal Canadians are in my DNA. Uh, uh, like a lot of uh, uh, hockey fans and Montreal Canadiens fans, I was so excited to see what they did getting to their first Stanley Cup final in, in, in you know, in 28 years. But uh, I really find that this was off-brand. It was ill-considered by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and at worst, they should have drafted him with the asterisks of the fact then that they'd say he, he wouldn't um, be a full-fledged uh, member of the organization, wouldn't attend rookie camp, wouldn't attend main camp uh, until such time as further work had been done. But they didn't do that. And it, it was really a badly handled situation by the Montreal Canadiens. Here we are uh, a couple of months later, and it's rearing its ugly head again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a mistake by Mark Bergevin that he, uh, you know, tried to to make, uh, thinking it would pay off in the long run. Obviously, we know the pedigree that comes with a player like Logan Mayu, but uh, yeah, definitely a story. I'm sure he didn't want to be hanging around for as long as it has and as long as it will, and now he just has to deal with the repercussions. I, I wanted to get to the uh, Canadian men's national soccer team here. I mean, we've talked about it a few times in the last little while, but this is a, a program that just is picking up a ton of steam in the this country and it helps when you got players like Alfonso Davies the big star the big defender with uh, uh, Bayern Munich there in the German League winning a whole bunch of trophies it definitely helps bring a spotlight to this uh, particular sport that really you know has been kind of in the background for a long time in Canada but now it's starting to really become more front and center I mean a bit of a missed opportunity I guess to not win at home last night but in terms of the business side of things I mean so many more people are interested in this Canadian national men's soccer team than they have ever been, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, Jeff. And, and, and let me say this. On the men's soccer side of things, uh, there hasn't been much to cheer about since 1986, which is the last time that Canada was in the um, uh, World Cup, in the FIFA World Cup. I mean, that's a couple of generations. I mean, that is a very, very long time. And it, although we've had this year outside of the Gold Cup uh, uh, victory, which was out of the blue and a big highlight for sure, uh, most of our cheering has been for the Canadian national women's soccer team with mm-hmm. the couple of uh, bronze medals and now the Olympic gold medal at Tokyo 2020. Uh, so there's a lot of pent-up demand. We're not used to hearing soccer talked about the way it's been talked about on a lot of uh, you know all sports radio stations, all sports television uh, you know, uh, other news talk uh, radio stations across the country. But that's what's happening because there's more optimism than ever before. You've already mentioned Alfonso Davies. That's part of it. This guy is so brilliant, so fun to watch. Um, he can play on any part of the field. And whenever he does it, uh, he's like uh, Harry Houdini uh, in terms of the way he, he fashions the ball. And when you've got that kind of a player headlining your roster, you're going to make a lot of new fans in a hurry. The fact that Canada hasn't been in this qualifying position since 1997 is another reason why there is so much pent-up demand and why it's so notable how much um, attention is being paid to the team. Now, to your point, 
Um, it was a missed opportunity last night. They were playing at BMO Field uh, before 15,000 fans, 50% capacity uh, because of the COVID-19 restrictions, of course. And they were playing against Honduras. Uh, it, it really is a home game that they should win. The typical formula for qualification out of the octagon is you win your home games and you try and get as many draws on the road as possible. Well, they've had to settle for a draw at home, but I'll tell you, it could have been worse despite the fact that they so dominated ball possession, you know, uh, two-thirds um, of, of the time. They had 14 corner kicks. Uh, they out-touched and outpassed Honduras by a margin of two to one. Uh, just complete domination, despite all of that, especially in the second half. Uh, if it wasn't um, uh, for the Canadian keeper who made a remarkable save, Milan Borjan, um, uh, Canada could have come away empty-handed. Mm-hmm. So I do think that John Herdman is taking the point, um, taking the draw, but he knows that uh, Canada will really be in as close to a must-win position at home against El Salvador next Wednesday. And then in between, they're playing this Sunday in in Nashville, Tennessee, against the United States. Uh, I wouldn't put an upset past this Canadian team. Uh, If they play the way they did in the second half for the full 90, uh, you know, I think they can stay uh, in in, in a game with with these Americans. But this is a massive opportunity because we know that Canada will be co-hosting the FIFA 2026 World Cup, and so we'll get automatic entry that way. Uh, John Herdman told me, uh, you know, well over a year ago that he didn't necessarily want to wait until 2026 and that if he could get Canada qualified for 2022, uh, he'd be a real happy camper. That's the vision here. And this guy is amazing. He lifts up everybody around him. He's incredibly well-organized. He's inspirational, and I think he deserves a lot of the credit for the way uh, Canada is playing, the style of soccer that Canada is, is, is playing. So the big opportunity is to be one of the top three teams, because if you do that, you qualify for uh, Qatar 2022. And if you finish fourth, you've still got a backdoor opportunity in the spring of, of, of 2022. But it's a huge opportunity for Canadian soccer. And I'll tell you, when you combine it with the gold medal success that the Canadian women have had, soccer has never had a year of media impressions and media content the way it's having this year. Tom, we could have had more to get to, but unfortunately we're up on the clock here. So thank you so much. Definitely rooting for Canada. I do hope we can see a, a World Cup berth here in the, you know, before we actually host. That would definitely be awesome. And, you know, I love the World Cup, but to have Canada there would make it even that much more exciting for myself and I'm sure many Canadian soccer fans as well. Always appreciate the time. Have a great long weekend and looking forward to the show this weekend. Hey, all the best, Jeff. Always a pleasure to be on with you. You have a great weekend as well.